0: Is the fact that I swear a lot going to be a problem? Should I well, No, no, that's
1: fine. <laughs> okay. That's fine. If there's anything you say that you want cut out, we'll do that. Oh, so. that's
0: fine. Unless I say something very controversial, which is likely at before 10 a.m. <laughs> but otherwise, go for it. It's funny, isn't it?
2: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Hamish. And I'm your other host, Aaron Conway. And today we're joined by Omani, who we knew via the board at university, and she's now the founder of Misa Magazine. Would you like to introduce yourself a little?
0: Yeah. As you said, I'm Armani. I'm 24, not for long, which is depressing because we've all lost a year. So I'm from Manchester and I went to Warwick Uni with you guys. Did a two-year stint in London and I've been spending the past year in my parents' house, locked down with the over 60s. Really fun. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Like you said, I I'm the co-founder of Mesa Magazine, which stands for Middle East, South Asia. And so everything we cover is pretty much within the remit of Middle Eastern or South Asian culture or news, or it's just a sort of platform people from those backgrounds. So they don't sort of have to always write about race or culture in the conventional ways that we always see in the media. And so we thought that was really important because we kept finding ourselves in that situation. So we wanted to create something where people could just be their whole self. So yeah, that's, that's what I did this year.
2: Yeah. So I was going to ask this, when you say just for like this a bit of clarity, when you say you keep writing about race or culture, when journalists are at other organizations, what does that necessarily like entail slash mean in this case?
0: If you're a freelance journalist, you will send pictures off to editors. And so you'll sort of outline your story. But the only story is that a lot of people of color seem to get commissioned will be about their race or their culture or like sort of selling a pound of your flesh for a byline, so to speak. And so, yeah, it's a little bit disheartening when you've got like a whole range of things that you'd be happy to write about and discuss and that you're, you know, equipped to discuss, but all people want to know about is like your experience of racism in Britain or how difficult it is to assimilate or, you know, just the heavy stuff. And you, you guys all know, like life's not really about that for us. Like, yeah, it's a part of it, but it doesn't make up the entirety of it. And yet I was finding like my portfolio was just, Quite heavily about being brown, and like my day-to-day life isn't that heavily about being brown. I don't actually register it that often. Yeah. So yeah, we wanted to create a space where people could just write about whatever they felt like, and so yeah, that's been really nice to see.
1: I didn't realise. Well, I feel like I might have knew that misa stood for like something. I thought it just might have been like a really like a word, like an actual.
0: God damn it! (laughs) I'm not doing my branding right. If you don't know that,
1: (laughs) I knew it. I I I probably knew. I probably knew, (laughs) and you can see on the website obviously as well. But yeah, you said like how it's like talking about like loads of different stuff. Yeah, I was scrolling through your website earlier and it's like, yeah, how to lose a guy in 10 hinge texts. And oh, uh,
0: God. Yeah, that was a funny one.
1: Reviews of like restaurants and uh, places and stuff.
0: Yeah, they're just sort of like the nicer, lighter pieces that are all part of our day to day aspects. Like, of course, like Middle Eastern and South Asian people date, dine out, those sorts of things. So their writing should reflect that. They should have a space to explore the, all the things that make them happy or or that they think about. And so, yeah, that's been really refreshing to see. And there are so many stories out there as well. It's not like those stories aren't there waiting to be told or those experiences aren't waiting to be shared.
1: Yeah. And when you said you're not 24 for long, yeah. when's your birthday? Because this episode might be out by the time... Uh,
0: oh, February. That, maybe that is for long. Yeah, maybe that is for long. I don't
1: know. I, I was on the... One of my mates called me yesterday. Aki, nah, or, uh, <laughs> if he's listening. And he, he told me he was like, My dad told me this really cool thing the other day. And he was like, if you add the year of the date you were born and your age, it will equal 2020. And I was like, but isn't that like, (laughs) doesn't that happen like every year? Isn't that just happens when you like add your age to the year you're born. It just comes to the current year. And then he tried to like argue with me, and I was like, "No, that's just how it works. <laughs> that's how isn't it it? works. Like that's oh. how time works." <laughs> and he was like, "Oh shit!" And then he was, yeah, I just thought that was a... he was
0: excited a- about that man, and you crushed him. I
1: know, I know. His dad got it good, bad, I saw. him
2: good as well. He thought his dad was a genius. <laughs>
1: yeah, he was like, he was hurt. like, uh, he was like, oh, my dad told me like first thing in the morning. and I was like, I was like shocked. He was like, he was so shocked about it. Like he told me like on a, like a random call but uh, that
0: stayed with him yeah he was moved
1: yeah a bit of a bit of a shame for him <laughs> but yeah hamish mentioned as well like how we kind of met was through warwick university and the boar in particular yeah what did you study at uni
0: i studied english literature and then obviously the boar as a newspaper was like a natural side hobby my favourite cult is what I refer to the boar as. <laughs> you just have a look and, and everyone everyone you know has been part of the boar in some way. And it, and it's like that photo in Lemony Snicket where they find out that everyone knows each other. That's how I think of the boar.
1: Yeah, every now and then you'll meet someone who like, I'll find out they've yeah, written that yeah, one piece or something.
0: That's what I mean. <laughs>
1: uh, did you join the boar in first year?
0: No, so I had that second year panic of, Oh shit, I'm probably not very employable, am I? And then I was like, what could I do? What skills do I have? Um, and so then I joined in second year. I think I started on travel with Jack Previsa, who I think you know. Yeah, he's a very funny guy. And then I became Lifestyle Light- co-editor with Gerard Jones in third year, which was a little bit more me. And just, yeah, sort of had a blast with that.
1: Wait, what was that? Lifestyle?
0: Lifestyle editor.
1: Oh, lifestyle. Okay, I thought you said right. lifestyle. Am I
0: too I Northern like, oh, to you, <laughs> Aaron? <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, 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 no. Nah,
0: style.
1: No, that's cool. So it was like writing always something you thought, like especially like taking like English lit.
0: Yeah, you know definitely wanted to write in some capacity, but hadn't quite figured out what or where or how. So that was a really good place to sort of figure that out and to sort of get that practice in, find out what I was actually good at.
1: Yeah, was that something you picked up from like an early age from school
0: so obviously being from an Asian background it was all stem 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 growing up so a lot of my a-levels were science and things like that so I was all geared towards I think it was dentistry at the time which is super funny because it's just the least me thing ever and then had like a existential crisis moment of rebellion where I was like I'm not doing it I'm not doing it and then my parents were like okay like don't react we're not forcing it on you and I was like oh okay cool Um, so then I just did English which was my one A level that I didn't that didn't have anything to do with science and I had always liked writing on the side yeah but I'd never considered it as a career for me because like no one in my family's done it it's just a bit Mm. you know when you've got no knowledge of an industry or, or a job you don't really know where to start with it so I guess that's why I wasn't really sure until I got to uni like what sort of writing or how to go about it
1: yeah were you good at the STEM subjects like would you say like you could have done it if you wanted not
0: naturally it took like a lot of work to get like A's and B's and 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 then I had one rogue U U grade in (laughs) yeah so I was doing really well in A level I think this was A level biology no it must have been A level biology and then on results day that was my only C grade. And it's because one exam was just a U banner in the works. Was it way. in physics, by any chance? No, uh, biology.
1: Okay. Because I, I got one, there was one exam I got a D in and that just brought like my whole
0: It just my whole shits your average, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I don't even know, I think I came out of that exam being like, oh, you know what, I did all right.
0: Oh, that happens so How would you even get a U?
1: I thought a U was like, you don't even do anything.
0: Or maybe I mean. it wasn't a U, maybe I was just being dramatic, which is very, <laughs> very on brand for me, but I've written it down in history as a U, so that's what it shall remain. But it was like by all four, I remember the module, because it haunts me to this day. It must have been pretty shit to bring down A's and B's to a C. Yeah,
2: the say. thing is, that I think E's and F's also do it, just because that's what happened in my further maths here. I remember I focused so hard on my normal maths, that my further maths in second year, in the A levels was fucked, and I ended up with a C. Because I only got E's and F's in it. And I got my A star in maths. But then my A got dragged down to a C in further maths. And I was just like...
0: You got an A star in maths and a, and a C in,
2: <laughs> I t- I put, in range. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I said it in the past as well. But basically what happened was I put everything into C3, C4. Because you had to get... Between them, you had to get 180 total. Yeah. So out of 200 um, UCAS, whatever it was, or the points to get the A star. Mm-hmm. And then everything else is just add-on. So I'm focused on that. So my first ex- exams went to this. What it was like C three, C four, then S two, D two, and and all that stuff. So and C three, I never walked out an exam feeling like I got 100 in my life until apart from that one exam, I was gassed. C four, I knew I got just enough to get that 180 total. Yeah, and I was done. Yeah, and then after that. It just went straight down. Like, I just remember seeing the, you know, the when you see the, mo- the module grades. Yeah. When I saw the E's in there, so I was like, oh, fuck, what's the average now? <laughs>
0: yeah, I had that breakdown from my parents. <laughs> I don't think it's a failure if you didn't yeah. even try.
2: No, no, I tried. It's just that I spent too much time trying to get that one A star, but which was worth it because that got me into Warwick. So there you go. <laughs> so yeah. Did you do all STEM subjects, Hamish? Yes. Wait, ICT counts as STEM, right?
0: Yeah. Uh... Tech. Does it? Okay. Yeah, okay. I think so.
2: We will we'll count it. We'll count it. Yeah, yeah. So if you I wasn't,
1: if you was going to do a subject that wasn't STEM, what would?
2: Yeah, I have no other modules that I would have done because our school didn't have much of a choice for me.
0: What do you mean for you?
2: So like, from what I like,
0: yeah,
2: the school didn't have much options. Even like the stuff I wanted to learn, like computing, like the you know the coding side mm-hmm. uh, earlier age they didn't have it. So I was just forced into doing IT, which is just basically the excels and the adobe dreamy went stuff, here instead of doing coding so like i was just like yeah it is what it is but say you were forced to do a non-stem, a subject. non-stem subject i'm trying to just think what would it be
0: get creative You're most
2: of
1: your least <laughs> favorites you know, I don't know I, what? What I, is it? What are the choices? There's like history, geography, English.
2: There's media, business I think. Business
0: studies, politics.
2: No, business. I hate essays, so I, I want to avoid anything with essays.
0: Okay. Um, performing arts, theatre. No, no, no. Theatre,
2: I leave the um, looking, making me look stupid on this podcast. I will leave it exclusively <laughs> yeah. there. Um, I'd say maybe, maybe media could have been doable with my skill set. Yeah. But even that came with essays, and I couldn't be bothered doing essays. So. The only reason I did media is because it would have had like video editing and stuff, and I was interested in it back then.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But I can't think of anything. Wait, what other subjects could you lot n- list? Subjects?
0: Psycho- I call. No, psychology is sort of a science. Pseudo science, as say. So
2: I did sociology at GCSE because I had like my compatibility with on modules I picked at the time. to Yeah,
0: you can have that one.
2: But I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want to do it just because of the teacher. But
0: yeah, but like,
2: <laughs> but would you want to do it more than any of the others? I'm thinking media is the only one, but if that counts as tech, then it's an L. Like you know, what I mean, like,
0: this game is not going well. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, I think I've just been forced so much into STEM that I can't even see. Is that possible. from like family or from school? Do you think? Well, they would have wanted me to do accounting and stuff, you know, like an office job, as they call it. Uh-huh. And then I just continued doing computer science despite them saying otherwise. And then when I got paid well, <laughs>
1: suddenly computer science it changed. Like an you know? job, though, right?
2: Yeah, but like they didn't, they didn't think of it as like. You know when like Asian families, they have these reputable jobs that they think are reputable? Yeah. So like accountants. Doctor, um,
0: lawyer.
2: Yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Engineering. And I, yeah. And I was just like, look, no, actually my, my parents, I'm not a fan of engineer because my brother's one. Uh, and they keep telling him, go do a job like me now. Even though <laughs> I think he's smarter than me, I'm like, let him do what he wants. He likes. Would to you me. say
1: you're a software engineer as well? Yeah, but like, like add some sauce. Here, they like. see
2: me working from home doing the office job. And they're just like, yeah, yeah, you got a good job getting paid well. It's Okay, and because their friends have told them this, you know it reassures them, so like, because their friends have said it, as I have said in the past, like when I was at uni they didn't they didn't like me doing computer science. Like, why are do you do computer science yeah, yeah, outside of London, yeah, because outside of London there's no good unis apart from Oxford, Cambridge, obviously, that's all they'd heard of, and then their friends told them that Warwick Compsai was sick, and then suddenly Warwick Compsai was sick, apparently.
0: you can like say it to your blue in the face, but until some random auntie says gives it yeah. <laughs>
2: approval exactly. <laughs>
0: even though she has no credentials or
2: knowledge yeah. of it. and then they're like okay and they're like oh my son does computer science at like university or middlesex i'm like damn that shit i don't care <laughs> 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 the thing is like i think it's just because of the world they were exposed to so like they're not aware of like how much more options we have at least because of the education yeah. education that we got so and then when they when they obviously realize that we're getting paid well we're doing decent maybe we're liking the job maybe we're not Then they're like okay yeah. But then they still need that they still need that one person external to us it, w- it won't matter what we say i could yeah. i could it be is. earning six figures tomorrow and they'll still be like no nah, you got a shit job it has to be someone that reaffirms them yeah they
0: need that validation <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah i'm just like but yeah writing and like english yeah. did you kind of, did you find it fun
0: yeah i always found it fun and then like a lot of my teachers would like think my writing was really good or like ask to use it as an example for the next class and obviously like my dorky ass was like okay uh, validate yeah, yeah. me so I'd get, like, a buzz from that, from someone thinking I was, like, written something that had entertained them or made them laugh or something, especially because, like, I wouldn't say I was shy growing up, but, like, I definitely am a better writer than I am speaker, I would say. And so, like, I found, like, that was a place to, like, get things down on the page or, like, express myself, so to speak. So, yeah, I just found, like, that was a natural fit for me. And it's a little bit more private as well. Like, you don't need a person to to write to. You can just write for yourself, whereas I think if you, sort of, Speak to yourself, you'll probably get sectioned.
2: Quick, quick tangent here. Do you think texting someone is easier than speaking to them in person?
0: If I want to be honest, yeah, for sure. Oh, I, lo- I love a paragraph. I do. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: You see those three dots from me for a good <laughs> half an hour?
1: Do you not think so, Hamish?
2: No, no. I was thinking like I do. It's just it's easier just conveniently texting them. But then I do if I'm going to get personal with someone, then I prefer to be in person. I just don't like doing all the text.
0: It depends what for. Like, mm. yeah if you want to say something serious i prefer to hide behind a screen and then turn my phone over and not look at it for a while but if it's like just for a laugh or to catch up or whatever i like i love phone calls i love chatting in person
1: yeah it's always funny when i uh if i'm texting someone and they send like a voice note back i always find that really awkward for some reason Really, i'm like, yeah. I'm like wait do i send a voice note back now or do i continue like texting all um, right what's her name no 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 name oh, um, okay. it's That's mostly mean. guys that do that <laughs>
0: i'm the person that sends the unsolicited voice note is that not an acceptable thing to do
1: no it's just like i'm then like in a position where i don't really (laughs) want to send a voice note but i'm like is it awkward now if i text back i don't i I text back anyways yeah
0: Yeah, text back anyway i think that's
1: Uh,
2: okay
0: that's the etiquette is do what you want but i'm too lazy to type this so i'm going to say
2: it the thing that gets complicated with replying to a voice note is that you have to reply to it multiple times because if today was replying to different points in the text and oh. you have to reply to that message three times, bringing up the exact point you're referring to. Because there's no distinction.
1: A lot of these voice notes you can't hear it back. It just sends it Wait, like, what? straight you away. Can't... On Instagram you can't. Oh, oh no, yeah, like, yeah.
0: you can't play it back before you send it, you mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah no, that's true. And on WhatsApp too, but you can you can delete them for everyone. <laughs> Yeah. which I find so sus whenever you've like not looked at your phone and like someone in the family chat's done a delete for everyone. I'm like, what rude meme did you <laughs> in the family chat that you've had to backtrack?
1: Yeah, so true. But it's, I think it's quite interesting what you said about you found yourself being more, you felt you were a better writer than you were a speaker. Because mm-hmm. when I think of people like good at the English language, I just assume, or people who are right and people who like speak. Yeah. Not necessarily us on like podcasts, but people more... <laughs> better than us (laughs) i just feel like our english language are just good at it i bet people who write can like speak well do you know what i mean i think with
0: writing though like you can you can edit you can improve you can use a thesaurus to find that fancier word whereas when you're speaking like you have to have it like sort of right there if that makes sense but with like writing like you can go through you can edit you can make it better you can sit with a thought and 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 let it adapt into something else was we're speaking like it's also a isn't it?
2: Mm-hmm. So you also can't butcher the word, the pronunciation of the word, if you're speak, if you're writing it. Sorry.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I've been there so many times. And when you're playing, like articulate as well. Have you played that game?
2: No. No, but we need to. What What is it like?
0: It's like a board game where like you're on teams and you have to get your partner to say the word without saying the word. Obviously, so you have to describe it. So that's like a Sayed family Christmas special that we always do. And I'm really good at it, but I also... A lot of the words I've learned have been from reading, so I won't necessarily know how to say it. And then, like, oh, like two of my sisters that went to private school, obviously, like, laughing in my face because I've, like, called the Hebrides, the Hebrides, or something like that, not knowing what it is because, yeah, I didn't go to private school, so...
2: Yeah, I feel that, don't worry.
0: The shame. Fuck
2: you, Aaron. I'm didn't go to I did, private school. <laughs> I didn't go to <laughs> private Marky, school. Fuck you, all the private school, you start listening. mystery. <laughs>
0: did you or did you not did you not have-
2: no no i didn't oh. his area is so nice that he may as well have-
0: where where are you from in
2: where are you going Colorado? to i'm from i'm from essex are you yeah
0: well why do, why are you so well spoken
2: <laughs> am i
1: yeah hey, Kate, i'm i'm firstly i'm on the podcast so like if i'm down like at the pub with my mates it's t- it's a bit different oh like, you're doing
0: more your podcast yeah, for it.
1: yeah. Just, oh, just actually. slightly. It's, it's. If you listen to the first few episodes, I think I put it on a bit more. It's still, <laughs> it's still like a bit present. I think.
0: Okay, you know, I do it. I do it on the phone, but I'm more concerned that it's like when I'm interviewing people, like if they can't understand me, me. So I just do it for ease rather than anything else.
1: Yeah, but I definitely don't have like. I'm not the typical Essex accent kind of person. No,
0: not at all. To be fair, like I don't sound monk.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't like. I don't know. I'm not really good at recognising accents in a way, unless they're like really obvious. But
0: So like, I, I think I would sound like that if I was yeah. actually talking like I was from Manchester. So yeah. I don't actually sound like a Gallagher brother.
1: No, I'm a May United fan. So I listen to a lot of, yeah, people talking about May United on like mm. YouTube and stuff. So, and you definitely don't have like the similar Mm-mm. kind of accent. I'm trying to find, um, if there's like a mini articulate game online, but <laughs> definitely easy to find. Yeah. So like writing, was it always kind of journalism and like that path of writing you went to go down?
0: I think that I would try and write like stories, but I had like writing commitment issues where if it's longer than like a couple of pages, I'm out. So I don't think I could write like fiction or anything like that. I just, I'm like, no, I've had enough. I'm bored of my own thoughts now. I'd like to leave. So it, I guess it just ended up being journalism that way. And I think like, other people's stories are probably much more interesting than my ideas, so I quite like like listening to other people and chatting to other people about their experiences because as well, like I, and I can tell this through like a lot of the work I've done so far because I'm quite interested in human interest stories. like I don't think people realize what is an interesting story, they'll just start talking and they won't be telling you the story that you're that they think they're telling you won't necessarily be the story that you want. they'll say something that that sparks an interest in you because you know what to look for. And they won't even realize that it's like interesting or unique. And I I do this with my parents a lot. Like I'll get them talking about something and they'll mention something just in passing. And you're like, hang on a minute. Like that's no small thing. So like, for example, like I'll I'll be asking like my parents about like getting when they were getting married and stuff. And they'll be like, oh yeah. And then our uh, honeymoon was just like a road trip back to Pakistan for two weeks. And I'm I'm like, hang on. Like what? You did like a road trip through Afghanistan back to Pakistan. Like that's sick. I don't want to hear about what you're talking about. I want to hear about that. And so then like, like people don't know where their best stories lies. I guess what I'm trying to say in a really long winded way. So
1: yeah, we've had some people like that on the podcast where like some people like might flex on like some big stuff to do. My one, the one in particular I remember was a Kiru. I can't remember what episode he, he was on number he was on, but then he was, he was speaking and he was like talking about how he builds, he was like building homes in Kenya. Yeah. At the age of like 18. And he was saying it like so calmly, like, yeah, then no, we just built some houses here. And I like, kind of like moved on. And then I, was, I remember being like, wait, wait, hold up.
2: Like, you, <laughs> did, you did what? Do you have like a particular like piece in mind that you wrote that was like the turning point or like some of your best and favorite pieces that you always keep? Like there's, there's always that one save, for example, maybe you wrote it last year, maybe you wrote it like when you first started, or maybe you wrote it like the other week, something like that. Is it that one piece that you have that is that turning point
0: in terms of like realizing other people's stories, do you mean, or just like,
2: like you want to
1: do journalism or something?
0: Oh, I'm not sure if there was like one piece that set it off. I think I have always known, but I have i don't think I've ever really been that impressed with my own work until recently. So I did, it was supposed to be a 22 week, uh, like NCTJ, that's the national council trained journalists, I think I would hope. If I've said that correctly. Like a diploma. So it's like a fast track where you do like media law, shorthand and digital journalism and they basically train you up. Obviously that moved onto Zoom with COVID, which is not what I paid for, but we moved. So I think that I have noticed that I've gotten better at telling stories since doing that. So I've always had, yeah, like the desire and the interest to to write. But I think I fell into a trap of writing about myself a lot because I wasn't really sure how to go about writing a story with multiple people that you interview or sources and putting it all together like it's not it's not an easy thing to do without anyone having told you how to do it so I think there were loads of pieces I wrote that sort of sparked that interest like when we were at Warwick I think we wrote a feature about 60s KKK action in Lemington Spa a really random town you wouldn't think that there'd be much on there but there just really was so I think like that sort of set me off wanting to Get better or hone my craft and learn how to speak to other people and put together a story. But I think, yeah, the work I've done this year is probably the work I'm like proudest of or, or feels like most where I want to go from now on, if that answers your question.
1: Yeah, it does. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite, I listened to the podcast you were on, Nadine Talks or something.
0: Oh, yeah, Nadine Bachelor Hunt. Yeah, so she was um, a student with me. She's got a very big Twitter reach.
1: Okay, yeah, Shower out. It's always
0: something controversial on there.
1: Yeah, you guys are talking about like how you have like opinion pieces mm-hmm. and how that's kind of maybe you shouldn't really be doing them. And I found that quite interesting because like from someone like not involved in that kind of industry, yeah. I just feel like I see people post opinion pieces on, like Twitter or whatever and I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's cool. Like, I don't really think too much about it.
0: So the reason that we're saying that there's nothing wrong with opinion pieces, that is a very valid route. But we studied news journalism, like that's the course that we did. And so if you want to get into news reporting, like you have to be objective and impartial and there are whole like codes of ethics on it. And so the more opinion pieces you do and the more you're known for sort of having an opinion, the less easy it is to be seen as impartial. And you're reporting the news and and you'll see like a lot of backlash like people always think like if you say that something is racist that you're not even being impartial so the standards of expectation are mm-hmm. really high from readers and they love to sort of there's a BBC journalist called Rihanna Croxford who was left wing before she even became a journalist and had obviously shared some like Labour endorsements or something. I'm sort of paraphrasing here so if I've said nothing incorrect that's why I'm just sort yeah. of pulling from my brain. And so a lot of People who were trying to like bring her down or didn't like what she was writing about because she does a lot of race, race and community focused work were saying like, oh, you'll be a BBC reporter that's not even impartial because she said this. And she's like, hang on, I wasn't even a journalist and I can't live my life knowing that I was going to be a journalist in the future and then never express an opinion in the meantime. And so it's like, yeah, it's just very hard to, I guess, row back once you've been seen as someone that's not that impartial so that's probably why we were discussing it in that way
1: okay yeah no that makes sense and then so like graduating from uni yeah well what did you end up doing
0: so I did an internship Sunday Times magazine, and I was all set to try and like sort of pursue journalism, and then I think like that was in September, and then I was working at Waitrose, you know, like s- serving Tories, and it was just getting me down.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's an objective fact. I haven't said anything, man. I've just said I was yeah. serving Tories in Hamish.
1: Hamish loves Waitrose, you know. Wait, what? No, I don't carry that Waitrose. Back no, no, no. He upgraded
2: recently. No, no, no. no. He, Basically, got a, he got a big job next to work. There was only a Waitrose, so if I had to go buy chocolate or something, you know, to make me put up with a. I had to go waitress yeah. it's not like it, I intentionally went waitress mate I'd <laughs>
1: walk the extra mile to go with Aldi or something
0: <laughs> sometimes you just have to go and get waitress essential pate it has to be done no so like people would obviously come in and be like looking for just the, the roguest things and I'm like don't even know what that is but if I say <laughs> that to you you're just gonna think I'm trash so let me just go look in a random aisle and pretend like I even know what you've just said mm. no so yeah I was doing that and I was just getting frustrated that I wasn't making like speedy process with journalism and now that I'm now that it's like three years on and I'm still sort of not where I expected to be. It's silly that I was even getting frustrated at that point. But so then I sort of widened my search net a bit and I was like, right, like I need to get that first job because that's the hardest one to get in my mind. And so I did a communications for a bank in London, which is the least me thing ever. But I just thought, okay, like a job's a job and there are some transferable skills in there. Like you do have to produce their company magazine and things like that. So yeah, I did that for two years and I loved it for like a year and a half, and then I was really ready to leave, and it just wasn't happening. And I was like, "Yeah," getting really frustrated about it, and not really knowing if I'd like gone too far off track to bring it back. And so that's when I started considering like doing the course, and then like I used all of my, you know, blood money from the bank jokes um, <laughs> to fund my course. I used that juicy bonus to fund my course, and so yeah, I just I decided like. 2020 was going to be my year long um, and so I quit my job first day back in the office January 2nd and I was like can't do it anymore it seems to be a common theme I think I've said that twice now where I just dramatically declare that I'm not going to do something anymore and nobody around me is remotely bothered and they're like okay go for it <laughs> yeah so I did that on January 2nd before I'd even got onto the course so I quit my job and I was just like God's will <laughs> it's up to you now and then I did get on so that was fine and then I came back to Manchester in February um, and then lockdown happened in March. So we
2: have to laugh. <laughs> Honestly, I love that there's someone else saying the stuff that like I basically say, like the rich use and all this stuff. <laughs> right now, half the listeners know that they know they know who they are. Anyone who mocks <laughs> mocks the working class, cough, cough, Aaron. <laughs> what do you
0: mean? <laughs> <laughs> you private oh. school Tory, Aaron. What the? How is <laughs> this
1: happening?
2: <then? laughs> <No>, yesterday, <laughs> I actually saw uh, a story because I was just scrolling through, just catching up to see if I needed to read anything on your profile, um, if there's anything I should have known before the episode. So I saw a story you posted about the STEM subject thing. What was it? It was like, we're usually forced down STEM sub- subjects, and then yeah. I was just like, <laughs> oh my god, tomorrow could be an absolutely lit episode. Yeah. Um, because it was like, the, yeah, and when the working class try to um, say that, they don't want to, like, what was it? It was a really good quote in there about something like the working class try to speak up, or like, don't be yourself or something.
0: Yeah, so the whole article um, was the idea of like debunking the myth that you should be yourself when you're entering your career. And it's basically saying like, if you're from like a non-traditional background or a working class background, it's not good advice to send someone in there to be themselves. you know, like Guz Khan type, like with your brummy accent and your bad man backwards cap and just saying like, rise it. Like, it's just not gonna, it's not gonna fly, is it? So the whole article was trying to say like, that's the dangerous myth to tell people that being themselves is okay in an environment that doesn't favor sort of their background or the way they've been raised or brought up and to think that people can go up against this system that's so, you know, very traditional without, you know, internalizing it or coming at the other side a little bit different or even just getting a lot of rejection and feeling not good enough. Yeah, I really enjoyed reading that.
1: So what was it saying to be if you're not gonna be yourself?
0: So I think it was less about saying what to be and more about just debunking myths. So one of the okay. myths in there was like STEM Careers are the most like secure t- uh, secure um subjects for like job security that's probably what i'm trying to say uh inarticulately and then he sort of moved on to discuss how like in the future it's actually better to have those skills that can't be done by you know automation can't be done by I don't, I feel like I don't have the lexicon to finish this sentence. So please jump in at any time. Like basically, I, I I didn't want to say the robots, but the robots. So
2: let's, let's go to robots. Yeah, basically, what you. people like me and Aaron tried to solve.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> uh, this is probably extra triggering for you. So those careers can like you can easily train like a robot to to code, but you can't train them in like emotional intelligence or. Like creative writing or conversation or, or those sorts of skills so so actually you know stem's on the way out kids get oh, a backup sure. yeah. plan out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's
1: yeah. what we're doing here
2: that's what uh, <laughs> <laughs> working we're working progress yeah that main quote that um I saw was when you go up against the system I was like oh, don't get me started <laughs> <laughs> i brought that up yesterday in our call that we had like our social call and basically they were like yeah you still have to adapt to the them I'm, I'm not saying you don't have to adapt here but telling them to be yourself is a, is this a insane risk and i agreed with that i was like Phew.
0: it is risky
2: do you think both of you have been yourself i tried to be myself early on but that was too much now i try to be a bit more corporate and it works a little better i think
0: i Make a lot of jokes in the workplace that I probably shouldn't and have, have gotten away with so far, but should probably check myself. So I think I do, but I think at the same time, like I went to quite a white posh school, like it was a state school, but it was in a nice area. And so I think I learned very early on how to mix the two together and still sort of. Be somewhat professional while still, like, taking the piss at the same time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's fair.
0: But yeah, I think that's something I learned early on, that maybe if I'd gone to a different school, like the one some of my sisters went to, that where they just used to, like, shank each other and, and beat <laughs> it out, Kingsway, the Kingsway School, shout out. Good PR, I'm sure.
1: This is in Manchester.
0: Yeah. yes well I live on the border of like Manchester Stockport and Cheshire so Cheshire's the nice bit T- Cheshire's yeah. tier two and Manchester's tier three so I basically
1: Cheshire's where all, like like football players live I know
0: yeah one. yeah yeah all the all the Man United lot live in Alderley Edge which is like one town over from the town excuse me that I went to school so that's pretty much why it was like a good state school and why I figured out how you know how to balance those two worlds because I literally lived on the border of the two of them it's a bit mad
2: yeah I remember like um, ma- making a joke, actually, only a few weeks ago, because it was about like, if we're having a Christmas meal, and basically, because I openly joke about like financials and money stuff, yeah. Like, I just pretty much say it like, as really to my team, that is, yeah. But yeah. then one person was like, yeah. So when I asked you, yeah, because there was a confirmation of like a Christmas voucher for like, we'd have to do a on call, like a Christmas meal, but would be reimbursed, yeah, like 30 quid or something. So I was just like, yeah, look, yeah, I don't care what we do, as long as we get me that 30 quid voucher so I can order the Nando's, because that's, that's enough to feed a family, yeah. <laughs> And then basically, I got told off for saying, yeah, but it was only really one person, yeah. No one, everyone, everyone else was laughing in the background because I was still laughing because I was still so joking. But I didn't say anything after because I knew it would got worse. Yeah, yeah. She said, "Um, You always joke about money, man. It's not, life's not all about money. And then in the background, my colleague texted me saying, Yeah, um, it's easy to say that people have money in it. I'm like, Don't get me started. <laughs> I'm like, Don't get me started.
1: <laughs> it's only a joke because you're actually going Waitrose with that 30 quid, David, hey? <laughs> 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 to
2: pick up your t. There's no Waitrose anywhere near where I live. You know that. Is there not? No. Well, yeah, I can assume that. Yeah, like <laughs>
0: we... <laughs> I miss working at Waitrose because you get like mad discount on John Lewis and Waitrose, and I need that in my life. So maybe I should go back and get a Saturday job or something.
1: Does the discount help though? Is it still with the discount? Is it still like cheaper than Tesco?
0: No, it probably brings it back to yeah, back to <laughs> <It> probably brings <laughs> it back down to reality. To be honest,
2: yeah, but the standard Waitrose quality, like compared to a Tesco brand quality, for example, brownies is a bit better but I think then Tesco recently I, I wouldn't know Hamish but you obviously I'm not didn't.
0: sure I feel like you should like buy loads of them and test them out and you have to like blindfold guess which one's which
2: like a year ago it way. went back to Tesco because the Waitrose quality somehow dropped or something I'm not sure what they did different but it just wasn't the same mm. you seem experienced in this uh, yeah in this Aaron when you literally I'm <laughs> trying to stitch me up as a Tory shopping out of Waitrose. Well, you, you
1: just literally tried to do the same to me <laughs> I do not
2: stick you up, though. I expose facts.
1: <laughs> it's not, literally, it's fake news. I'm talking about journalism, you're reporting fake news,
2: mate. Isn't that what journalists do? I'm not joking. Oh. Oh, wow. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. All Shot the journalists me. listening to this right now are writing an article saying that you're all cancelled.
0: We're getting an opinion piece, hey mate, about yeah. why you're fucking cancelled.
2: Honestly, that's only inevitable given my opinions that come out on the podcast.
0: I'm surprised you haven't been cancelled yet.
2: It's yes, coming so soon. Well. When, you, when you go up against the system, you know it it's inevitable
0: yeah it is don't be yourself Hamish
2: yeah (laughs) what's um with like all the advancement of tech
1: and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. everything's kind of moving to digital and I guess the industry is kind of traditionally a very like you buy the newspaper or something like that yeah is that affected like your work in any way or do you not really notice it because maybe most of your stuff is digital
0: Yeah, so it hasn't affected any freelance work I do, but it probably is affecting my job prospects. So if you can sort of offload to freelancers and just pay them a one-off fee, I guess you're less likely to take on like a staff writer who you would need to report, let's say, in an office. And there are like, I've noticed that when I was applying for jobs, the only places that would really have like graduate schemes and stuff were like the Daily Mail. And I'm like, No. It's not really going to happen, is it? So it really is quite sad that the sort of most, in my opinion, the publication that lacks impartiality and goes after like vulnerable communities is the one that makes enough money to sustain, to, to hire new talent and to sustain itself. So it's a bit concerning that you have to have these sort of sensationalist, offensive headlines in order to get enough clicks to justify having enough money to actually have people in the office which is a bit of a, a scary uh, thought but um yeah no I, I think it's quite easy to get commissioned for digital publications now but I guess as well like I've never known any different so it's not like I worked you know in the yeah. 90s or the 80s or whatever you want to call it and now I'm experiencing this so I guess I can't comment you know I can't comment from an informed perspective but I think that there are fewer jobs out there but yeah if you want to just write as a side hustle or on the side of a more regular gig, then that's not affected as much.
1: Have you ever done work for free? Like any pieces?
0: Yeah, and I think there's a lot of debate around whether that's ethical, whether that should be done. And I think that at the start of your career, if you're you're writing for publications that themselves aren't making money. So like I wrote for Galden when it was just starting up and they didn't pay at that stage. And that was fine to me. Like I could... Uh, reconcile that with my ethics because I was like no one's making any money it's not like anyone's profiting off of this it's just a community so i if people want to sort of get a few articles under their belt when they're just starting out i think that's a better way to go about it but if there are like these full on institutions that don't pay writers that's pretty fucked up i would say like no one should be profiting if you're not being paid
1: yeah i, I think it's the same like freelancing in general whatever kind of mm. you do like web development or yeah photography or videography like at the start of your career
0: so yeah to sort of establish yourself and get build some a portfolio interest. kind of thing exactly
1: but yes yeah, so, so you mentioned like your kind of work stuff after uni yeah so we have in our notes like going for your passion versus a kind of corporate route
0: yeah so I guess like what I mean by that is like I spent those two years in finance and I found it like soul destroying, even though like, like I was getting good money and like paying rent in London and like I was able to afford to do things, but my happiness then compared to my happiness now when I'm freelancing and I have much less money and I have to like make things go a little bit further. It just doesn't compare. And I spent that whole time whilst I was in finance thinking about like what I would rather be doing and it was writing and it was creativity. And I think that if you have that passion in you, there's not really enough money in the world to sort of put that to one side, I think that like, you'll always come back to it. So I found like over the sort of two years that I was working there, that I just sort of kept having those thoughts. And, and I realized that that two year stint just wasn't worth it. I don't, I think it like it added confidence to my sort of character and, and it did help me like grow up a little bit, like living in London on your own and just getting on with it. Mm. But in terms of my career, I don't feel like it added anything other than social skills. So
1: Not like any experience that you think you got in that kind of environment?
0: I mean, to a certain degree, but like sort of after a while, I just felt like I wasn't really progressing, especially because I was a creative in a corporate industry. I was communications in a bank. I was the only person doing that role. There wasn't really anyone to learn from because no one really knew what to do anyway. Like they were all Like corporate. So I didn't have anyone to learn from, nor did they have any kind of career path for me to progress up because they just needed someone to schedule their posts and make their magazine and and then go home at five. So I just sort of felt like it wasn't the right environment for me at the start of my career. It sort of seems like the kind of retirement shift when you just want to clock in, clock out, and you're not really bothered. But I guess I'm a big believer in like learning by contrast. So By doing something that you know wholeheartedly you don't want to do that, you can then rule it out as something you don't want to do again. And then you've learned exactly what it is that you do want to do by comparison. So I I say that's what I got from it, as well as like a lot of friends and like colleagues that I did really enjoy being around.
1: What is the corporate route in uh, writing? Because like for tech or software engineering, it's kind of like a bank.
0: Yeah, so there's like copywriting jobs, communications, that sort of thing. I think copywriting is probably the one that a lot of people go down.
1: What's copywriting?
0: So like any sort of website, you could like write the content on it or any company that sells items, you write the product description, things like that. I'm not, I've never really looked into it that much because I went down the sort of communications route, but every company will need like press officer or publicity officer or uh, someone to do their communication. So I guess when I say corporate, it's more like the company or the environment rather than the skills. So it's just what you're writing about will tend to be different, like not that exciting.
2: I always thought, I don't know why I probably just had mistaken. I never probably corrected myself. So I thought copywriters are the people that write down the meeting notes and stuff like that. They could be something else. I don't know what they're called. You know the people that write down the meeting notes. That sometimes they're all like in the standard TV shows you see in the lawyers' courtroom and all that stuff. They're just doing the writing. What are those called then?
0: Like a transcript.
2: Yeah, those people. I thought they were copyrighted. I thought like, do you know how like PAs would go around and write down like the important notes if needed? I thought all this yeah, time I thought I don't know what they I don't know what they're called. Okay.
1: But I know you are talking about. I've been watching a lot of like true crime stuff recently, <laughs> and like there was one. What was it? The trials as a chicago seven i watched that on oh
0: yeah that's Netflix on my list the
1: and they're in court or whatever and there's someone like typing on the typewriter like basically the whole conversation that's going on and like how fast they're typing is insane yeah, like to yeah, yeah, yeah. track everything like just as, like if somebody was typing out now live what we were saying like i'd lose track after like a minute
0: so i've had to do shorthand as part of my Oh, form. shorthand
2: That's, it. that's yeah
0: the, like, oh is that what you meant
2: yeah yeah so when someone has to write the notes down as you're speaking or something, right? That's what shorthand is, right? Yeah, well uh, shorthand, but shorthand
0: yeah. is like the... I have not even got my notebook around, so I don't even think I can show you, but it looks mm-hmm. like Arabic. like It ends up being symbols. You have to get to like 100 words a minute on this course if you want to be gold standard, and it's it's fucking tough.
2: 100. Yash showed us a booklet. So Yash, I don't know if you remember, Yash, you also worked at the Borat Point. You were a journalist. Oh, yeah. And he would basically... He showed us this little booklet. He had like a, a palm size booklet. And he had to copyright when he was at this interview, I think, with Roger Federer and so on.
0: I found it.
2: We have no video for the um, um listeners, but... Oh, Lord.
1: Oh, wait. So it's actually like a language.
0: Looks like the letter at one point, but it no longer looks like that letter because it ends up being like chopped and changed to fit other letters.
1: Your face okay. right now is such a mean... <laughs> I, I, I thought it was just like... I thought it just, you were saying symbols because it looks like symbols because you were writing it so quick that it's kind of like... No,
0: it genuinely you know ends up being like Arabic. It looks like Arabic.
1: Oh, mad! Shit, um, that's, I'm not yeah. sure how
0: we got onto that. I feel like I had a point, but I've lost it now.
1: <laughs> we we're doing like a corporate, corporate route. So your passion. So then would you say Misa is, is the passion side of that?
0: Yeah, I think so. But just sort of like journalism as a whole is the passion side for me maybe less so news as much as I, it's super important. And I would love to have a career in it. I don't think it sustains me or fulfills me in the way that like, like I said to you earlier, like hearing people's stories or uh, especially ones that we never usually hear about, like marginalized stories. So I do some freelance press and comms for this project called Tape Letters. That I think I spoke to you briefly about on DMs at one point. Yeah, And so that's like an oral history project that Basically, in the 60s, 70s and 80s, Pakistani migrants who came to Britain who couldn't necessarily read or write would send cassette tapes back to their family in Pakistan as a form of like letter write, well, oral letters. And so the, the sort of things on there will be like long distance parenting, like someone who sent his kid to Britain to get a better education and he would sort of parent him over tapes. And then there was like a long distance couple getting to know each other over tapes. And so like when I hear stories like that, that that are like fucking incredible but you never really hear about them anywhere else like I like finding those stories that that people in those communities have always known about and not even thought it's thought anything of it but then Mm. when like someone that's that can relate to those communities comes along and says actually there's some there's merit in that there's that's a really interesting thing that you should be sharing with the world I think that sort of what gets me excited about storytelling and, and writing in that way.
1: Yeah. Cause when you said earlier how like you've been trained in like, I forgot what you said, news writer. Yeah. Or, yeah. And like, cause I feel like isn't like start writing stuff like that and opinion pieces just more mm-hmm. interesting to write and more fun than news.
0: Oh, than news. Yeah. I think it depends on what you're trying to achieve. Like if you want to write some big expose on some politician, and obviously you have to do that very factually based. So you don't get like sued to shit like that, that. That could be fun. That could get someone out of bed in the morning. But for me, it's more human stories that excite me. So I guess it's just down to personal taste at the end of the day. But I'm a bit more of a waffler anyway. So I think I'm more suited to features writing, which tends to be a bit lengthier, a bit of a slower pace. And you can sort of focus on the stories more. Whereas with news writing, you want to focus on those facts and like amplify them with stories, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned it briefly, um, mm-hmm. like how kind of what Misa is. Yeah. But how did you like, what kind of time period are we looking at? When did you think like, okay, I'm going to do this?
0: So I think in 2018, I was trying to put together a publication that was just South Asian focused because I still felt that like gap in the market. Like Galdem is amazing. I think that they...
1: What's a uh, Galdem?
0: Galdem's a publication written by women of colour and it sort of came about when we were at uni and has taken off and is like a self-sustained business now that like salaries people and that might not be in the industry otherwise or, or those sorts of things, commissions those stories. But they were for women only, which is obviously an important space. And also, I think, predominantly like afro Caribbean writers, I think, like they obviously still commission like asians and 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 other minorities, but I wanted to create a space that was solely focused on that Asian community, but then I was speaking to my Turkish friend who also had sort of a similar idea, and we were both sort of people that were lacking a few skills that we found in the other and felt like able to do something together, and so we found misa and I think that it's There's so many diverse cultures within Middle East and South Asia that, you know, like the average white person might like dump us all into one category, but actually like the differences just even between countries within those continents are so vast that we wanted a space to unpack that all where I feel like the only thing that sort of links us all was like, I guess the religions that exist in the region. Like that is probably the only thing that we really have in common, like comparing saudi arabia to pakistan what have they got in common at the end of the day it's probably just religion so it was nice to have a space where you could actually explore those cultures with nuance and and really hone in and focus and and get to know the communities that actually live there like we have a very close relationship with drag performers in turkey now and that's such a random niche like you wouldn't even think like in a muslim country that there's such a big community of like drag performers or, or you know the queer community and so it's been nice to sort of focus on where we come from in a new way rather than just talking about race actually like find detail in the stories and stories that exist sort of yeah outside of being a person of color in a way that i'm not going to find if i pitch to a mainstream publication
1: yeah how was the what was the reception like when you first started it
0: yeah so i think that like everyone's been so supportive of it there are people like chipping in to do their bit because obviously we're a volunteer organization from top to bottom there's no one's making any money off of it which obviously we want to change eventually but it's not really been the year for that so a lot of people were like chipping in to like let us know about like seo or let us know about like facebook advertising and things like people who saw themselves reflected in what we were doing wanted to sort of chime in and help us sort of get off the ground which was really nice and i think that you can tell a lot about the importance of what you're doing if people feel like they want to help you out and help you grow and, and help you establish yourself. So yeah, the reception's been really nice. And I think people are just happy to finally have a place. Well not finally have a place because there are others, but sort of have a place where you're just starting out where people will give you like a little bit of help on finding your voice or finding your writing style. Because it's hard to start out as it is, but then it's also hard to start out as a writer of colour in a in an industry that's really predominantly white. And it's also just hard to find stories if you're always told that your stories aren't good enough or interesting enough. Mm. So yeah, the response has been really positive in that sense.
1: And like, I guess like getting interviews with people mm-hmm. and stuff like that, like being a purely like voluntary yeah, based kind of similar thing where it's people willing to help.
0: Yeah, for sure. This has been insane. So I, well, we've just been kind of like lagging it and we've just been reaching out to anyone we admire. And because uh, they'll be like, let's say like Riz Ahmed or the, the director of Riz Ahmed's most recent film. I, I didn't actually get to write this piece in the end, but I tweeted about the film and then uh, he liked it. So I DM'd him just out of the blue and I was like, look, this is what I do. This is my publication. I've noticed that no people of colour are reviewing this film, let alone Asians, and it's about being British Asian. And he was like, yeah, I've noticed that. I've been thinking about that too. Like, Riz Ahmed? No, sorry. Bassam Tariq, the director okay. of the Riz Ahmed film.
1: Because i saw sure he shared... One of you, like your story or something?
0: Riz Ahmed reposted my story because we're engaged and we're in love. Okay. <laughs> um, no, we'll come back to that. I just want to clarify so that I don't get like sued for defamation. Riz Ahmed's not in love with me yet. <laughs> yeah, so the director <laughs> of the director of Mogul um, Mowgli is Basam Tariq. And so I tweeted about his film and then I messaged him about how I didn't feel like a lot of South Asians were even reviewing the film and how can you conduct a review without actually thinking about what it's trying to reflect or the community it's trying to represent? And so he was like, I really want to set something up. Let's try and make this work. But his PR got back to me too late. No shade intended. But (laughs) this is the sort of thing, like when you reach out to someone and they're aware of the issues within their industry, they're aware of the communities they're trying to reach. And a lot of people are really happy to engage with like, quite grassroots organizations or very like, community focused organizations and so i think again a lot of stuff we had lined up was canceled due to covid so i got onto the press call for the long goodbye tour with ahmed again there's a theme developing i will be given a restraining order soon but it's not happened yet so i'm going to carry on Stay going. yeah until it comes i'll just carry on and then we were going to interview there's a seat guy that won bake off and has a podcast called do you wear that in the shower obviously referring to his turban um, so he was going to do an interview with us so there were just loads of people that like they have quite a big platform and a big reach and they just want to help out and so we're actually doing a shoot next this wednesday in like five days with ryan langie i don't know if you've heard of him he's a dj that runs, runs a queer bollywood night and he was also the winner of netflix's big flower fight and so he's got quite a big reach and is quite known within that sort of creative asian community and so we're doing a shoot with him and like loads of brands have been willing to loan us like free clothing and accessories and stuff and we've got a free studio space and so people are just really excited to see like young creatives like going at something from a unique perspective and and everyone's willing to help out and and give us freebies most importantly
1: yeah it's awesome so like the studio space like getting people to film or photo for the shoot they're not being paid or anything no that's really cool Reminded, um, if anyone
2: wants to give us studio space, space to record, yeah. <laughs> <all us. laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: of course.
0: I think it's sadly a one-off photo shoot, but...
1: It's, it's decent, that's good.
0: It is, yeah, I know. And we're really grateful as well, because we wouldn't be able to grow without people sort of taking a chance on us in that way. So. Yeah.
1: Any standout pieces that you think people should check out on MISA?
0: On MISA? Let me have a look, because I don't want to do anyone a disservice, but... um. There is one I've got in mind. I just want to find out what it's called. Yes. So there was a piece by this really talented writer called Sarah Harris called, we need to de-stigmatize infertility in Mesa communities. And I feel like this just goes without, it doesn't even matter what topic it is like any difficult or awkward conversation just does not take place, whether it's in the South Asian community or the Middle Eastern community. I think she was writing it from the sort of South Asian perspective. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But so like, sexuality, fertility, mental health, like these just aren't conversations that people are comfortable having or parents are comfortable having with their kids. And so she wrote a really powerful piece sort of going against that. And it was really moving. And so she talked about her own experience with endometriosis, um, which was really brave of her. So I really, really loved that piece. So everyone should check that out.
1: Yeah, awesome. And then with with COVID and everything this year, Mm -hmm. what's it been like running that? has that halted anything?
0: We set up in March, literally days before, like we launched in March just before lockdown came. So everything that we'd sort of set up for our launch, loads of interviews that we had lined up, people had to cancel and loads of events that we were going to cover, like film festivals and things like that obviously didn't take place. But then at the same time, we've only ever known how to operate in lockdown. Like that's all we've ever known. So It's not like we had much to compare to in the past and then be sort of disappointed about. We just sort of had to make it work. And it'll be really refreshing when, if and when things are back to normal to sort of look back and be like, oh, okay, it didn't need to be that hard. It was just that hard because of the year. I just think it's been hard to find sort of stories when everything's been cancelled, all the events. And also like people, as much as people are more available because they've got less going on, at the same time, like, people aren't necessarily in the best space so they might not want to be interviewed they might not be taking on any work or or, or those sorts of things so it's kind of yeah it's been a bit of a toss-up between those two like availability and yeah mental capacity
2: yeah I was thinking bringing back like a couple points ago I was like you know the thing where people like or sometimes the PR may pull them out of like something or so on it's just like I hope that even once we inevitably make it a third wheel that from our side yeah we still accommodate for anyone to come with a third wheel like it's not going to hopefully matter. I hope that we can maintain that. I hope that we never get signed to anything or some deal that would prevent us from or like having a team that would just block it. Like if we want it to happen,
0: mm-hmm.
2: like someone can just message us. I'm hoping we're not. What, yeah. what if they were paying us bags, you know? Yeah, but.
0: Yeah, would you sell your soul for Ananda's? For
2: what was that um, lyric? Um, I'm not signed to a li- label. I'll scrap you or something. Was it Stormzy? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> when did you say that?
2: Um, I think it was in, was it, I don't know, or oh, oh, Ain't It Different? He was like, know, he's know. like, I'm not signed to something yeah. I'll still scrap you or whatever it was. I don't know the exact lyrics yet off the top of my head right now, but there was a lyric here in his verse in Ain't It Different. That He's yeah. like, I'm not signed, but then he didn't retaliate to chips. So it was a bit peak, you know.
0: <laughs> and that's who you're comparing yourself to, just to clarify, isn't it?
2: One day, one day. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to dream big. Exactly. Anything else you
1: want to touch on, on about Misa?
0: I think we've covered everything yeah with the shoot and like I just I think that we'll have a lot more to work with next year so I'm excited to see what we do in that respect and and things are opening up a bit more and we're super excited to do this shoot and sort of yeah like it's so Ryan obviously I said he runs a queer Bollywood night he's uh uh, like quite openly gay and I think it's quite nice for gaysians gaysians um to have someone to look to that's
1: is that a term gaysians is that I've never heard that before. Have you not? Yeah. Oh.
0: There you go. I don't, I can't take credit for having coined it. I've heard it a couple of times, but yeah, it like, is the term. On yeah. the third
1: wheel, you've coined it, so it's fine.
0: Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if if that's all I've brought to this podcast, I'm happy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think like just having these sorts of not even role models, but just faces that faces and people whose experience reflect your own will be like nothing if not pleasant so i'm excited to see how many more people and communities we can do that for
1: yeah awesome uh links will be in the description so and interested go check it out yeah moving on a bit one thing you thought would be quite cool to talk about is like your kind of childhood and growing up yeah in a northern british pakistani household yeah i don't know where to start with it really no like, I, I don't know start kind
0: of... either i just know that it's such a, a it's a large part of what shaped me so i thought
1: yeah, because when someone brings it up, you kind of, I don't know if it's, we've had like people on it before where like, there's a lot of traditions there and mm-hmm. it's quite strict and have to follow a lot of rules. But You kind of mentioned earlier how kind of your parents are quite open to kind of you being able to study what you wanted.
0: Yeah. So my parents were, they're a confusing one. They've got their set rules, but then when it came to things like piercings and and jobs and stuff, they're quite open-minded and liberal, like. I know that there are Asian Pakistani parents that like don't let their kids move out for uni. And so they want their kids to go to uni in the same city. Like that's never been my parents. They've always had a really heavy education focus and a, like a, a, very men and women are equal mindset because I'm the youngest of six sisters. There are no boys in our family to comp well in our immediate family to compare. Oh, wow, to.
1: Really?
0: Yeah. So they always sort of championed us in that way. And so I think in some ways it's actually good that there's no boy to sort of have to differentiate between so they've just treated all their kids the same in that respect but then at the same time there are very much so like their fixed rules of like you know the sorts of people that they want you to end up marrying and things like that so it's it's a bit of a confusing one because you get like a taste for freedom with these really like seemingly liberal parents but then at the same time they're kind of like hang on hang on a minute we give you these freedoms not those ones (laughs) stay in your lane
1: there's like a there's like a line
0: yeah there's a line and I, I i don't know i find pakistani culture very interesting because the culture is not the religion like it's the some of the rules and the the expectations they don't stem from being muslims they stem from being pakistani and and the community and having that like sort of social standing and respect amongst their peers like you were saying like it takes one person outside the outside your family to sort of say that your career is okay and then they'll believe it like that very much so is a thing that sort of community approval above all else, which is something that I grapple with and criticize very often.
2: I still tell people, like, if your parents are telling you this, that, that, you don't have to fucking listen to them. Like, you take me as an example. I'm not a good example, but I'm an example. Just don't listen to yeah, them. You want to be like you- me? <laughs> <laughs> just do what you want because you could do, you could try to live their version of what they think is right for you, but yeah, it's not going to work for everyone. So it's like everyone, you know, when like commonly as well, everyone in school year was like, or oh, I want to be earning the most amount m- money. money. Yeah, if I go into economics and all that stuff, I'll earn more than you will in like ten years, and I'll be yeah. your boss. All that, all that bullshit. Yeah, but I'm just like those very same people now aren't earning as much as me. So it's just like a big L for the minute. Like I'm just like, like what do what are we what are we about? <laughs>
1: Nah, no, 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 you know who you are. <laughs> I'll send the clip to these. <laughs> and, then
2: the, and then the rest it can they can listen to it in their own time, yeah. But like, basically, it's just like those things, like you, you're living it just because someone else older than you or whatever, like it could have yeah. been like friend or whatever, like in the above years, told you that, oh, this is the best way to earn the most amount of money. They earn like, you know, they earn like 60K uh, right outside of university. As soon as you leave, I'm like, yeah, go on then, like. And then it's, it's just not like that for them. And then they're like, oh yeah, now I have to get like five more qualifications and then I'll earn like yeah basically what we're earning now i'm just like look yeah <laughs> and i can't say it often yeah because like it yeah, it offends people yeah i'm just like look, yeah, you're all talk all talk back then yeah 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 so like it's one of those things like i had a discussion with a few of my friends from back home like everyone was this all talk person back then yeah and there's really very few of us that have backed what we said we were going to do back then not entirely but you know enough to the extent that like we didn't follow someone else's way. We tried to just do it we still follow someone else's way, but we still try to not do it blindly because someone said this is the way you should do it. Yeah. And yeah. But we're not saying we're pioneers here. Do you think you'll ever have a school reunion? No. If if we do, it's gonna it's gonna there's probably gonna be like I'm saying like a third of them are probably in jail. <laughs> <laughs> I like, know what I thought you were gonna say. Some of some of them are probably like still in Syria or like caught in Syria or whatever it is. You can have a school reunion in jail, you know.
0: <laughs> Why did you go to school?
2: Um, I went to school, so I'm from North London, like Stonebridge. So I went to Alpen. A lot of people in that year didn't turn out well, but like that. So yeah.
0: Shout out Hamish for not going to
2: jail. <laughs> no, no, don't, do, yeah, this. don't yeah. do this.
0: Round of applause for Hamish for not going to jail.
2: <laughs> no, the patronization.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not even. I'm not even yeah. patronising. Yeah.
2: yeah, but the thing is, I also didn't get a lot of people. Always try to start shooting me, so like I just wasn't. If if that happens, yeah. I just know that there's just going to be scraps here, like left, right, center. Like it doesn't matter. Like if I'm there, I'm just there to flex. Like I don't go out my way to flex or anything. Like, but if I'm there, I'm fucking flexing. Like I'm, I'm letting them all know. Like this is <laughs> what it is.
0: You're so funny.
2: The thing is, if a reunion happened, yeah, I know people are just going to instantly start start off anyways, or like kick off anyways, yeah. And it's a matter of at what point do I retaliate? Yeah, because the the, mo- the moment I verbally retaliate, I'm going to hit a nerve. Like I, I know I'm going to hit the nerve. Yeah, so it's just a matter of when I retaliate or like if I think it's worthy enough to retaliate at that point. But I know, I know myself well enough to know I'm going to retaliate. So it's are you retali-
0: guys still quite close friends with people that you went to high school with?
2: Like a few, a few of them.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. When I say a few, I mean like three.
0: Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, Cause yeah, my it's like... as well, I thought I was a loser. But yeah. I
2: think three is the, the is key number.
0: Home? It's always, yeah.
1: yeah. Three people. Do you call it high school?
0: What do you call it?
1: Secondary, secondary school. school, yeah, yeah. Then A level is it? Is that because
0: I'm a Tory? I don't know. Oh. I anything that doesn't fit with my behaviours or narratives, I just call Tory anyway. But so. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: I'm not a Tory. That was a joke as well. <laughs>
0: like. I think because my school was called Wilmslow High School, maybe that's why I do it. But oh, okay, yeah. why was we sh- we yours not called high school?
1: My school, community school. Mine was just called Campion. <laughs> it's actually an academy now.
2: Wait, Aaron, your area is a Tory area, right?
1: No, I it's Labour. Your,
2: Rainham is Labour?
1: Yeah. What?
2: I don't know why you think this is... Bro, when I walked in at Rainham... This yeah. is a
1: nice area compared to your area, but I still <laughs> wouldn't class it as like like a posh area.
0: My, mine's just a retirement village, so it's Tory.
1: <laughs> yeah, mo- moving on from the Tories.
0: Sorry, yeah, I have a habit of doing that. you bring up Aaron? Throwback to me like 20 minutes ago talking about being <laughs> impartial and now I'm like Tory bashing.
2: No, no. I, I mean, I do it often. So like if someone else is um joining in the, in the good fight, then I'll, <laughs> I'll gladly be there to you
0: I feel like as a year, 2020 is acceptable to Tory bash because even to- some Tories would agree. So
2: yeah, it took Marcus Rashford doing what he did to start for people to finally start publicly Tory bashing, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. And then they bashed him back for owning property. So what can you do?
1: Yeah, they did scores scores against psg though so that's fine anyway <laughs> do you feel like people from pakistan and people from india just get like grouped a lot
0: yeah for sure and uh, they themselves would prove why that's a stupid thing to do like they literally put a border down the middle of their country to sort <laughs> of establish different identities but when you come out of that space and you go somewhere else like for sure like, i don't think people can tell the difference
2: yeah once again i did speak about a bit of this in the past like there was always that stigma that, for example, one of my best friends was Lydia from back home. yeah. Oh. So he was born in Pakistan and came here. But like, he's like one of my best friends. And I never understood the concept. Obviously, I don't fully get the historical concept between India and Pakistan anyways. Like, I know it's there. I know they have the beef. I understand that older people may not understand. But don't tell me to not be friends with one of my best friends just because that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know that I even in that. like, at uni, I noticed that people would ask you, that and it's mainly to figure out like if they can relate to you on that origin background, but like,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, I think like growing up in a diverse area, like it didn't matter, but like I understand that uni people did that, but
0: really, that's so fascinating. I didn't have that at uni, but that's because I'm a coach. They're like,
2: Oh, you're good, oh, are you good? Draw-y? like, and then they'll be shocked to find out I'm good. Draw-y, and yeah. then I feel like that made me like more acceptable. I'm like, No, nah, I don't give a fuck it. Like, yeah. if-, if you didn't consider me good, draw-y before, were you gonna talk to me? Were you not? That's how, that's how I think about it i mean i just went on a tangent (laughs) i don't
1: know (laughs) (laughs) i think i was i was like kind of saying from a point of view i guess did people like assume you're just indian no
0: everyone always assumes i'm iranian okay so i don't know what i don't i don't know how that ever fits into the narrative but um i used to like growing up myself i used to think that was a compliment like not being associated with pakistan which is really bad now because now i'm like I consciously try to embrace it. Whereas growing up, like if someone thought that I was Persian, I was like, oh, that's good. Cause that means that no one knows I'm Pakistani as though it was something to be embarrassed of. And I said as well, like being Muslim, I've got like the holy trinity of identity going on here that the ones that no one, the ones that no one fucking likes. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, I wouldn't say like, oh, I don't drink because I'm Muslim. I just be like, oh, I'm teetotal. And then never explain why. Or,
2: You're um, what? Oh?
0: <laughs> teetotal means that you don't drink.
2: Oh shit. I'm going <laughs> to use that one.
0: yeah sorry yeah so I would say that instead but apparently no one knows what that means so yeah yeah so I, I would just sort of I would never explain why I behaved in the way I did I knew why I was doing it for myself and I obviously like was a religious person personally but I didn't I felt like I didn't owe it to people to know that because they'd make certain assumptions about what I did do correctly and what I didn't do correctly and things like that so I've always been quite elusive and private about it until recently and now I'm a bit more vocal about now that I'm quite sure of who I am like openly saying like that I'm religious or that I'm Muslim. Yeah. So sort of in, embracing that Pakistani identity more, which, which is why I think this is so important for me. Like it allows me to do that.
1: Yeah. Back, back on like the uh, kind of like growing up stuff, some like kind of themes you raised before, like mental health, religion and like family politics. So mental health first.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that like it's heavy, but um, we're taking a turn. So my grandparents only came to this country because my uncle and aunt were involved in an accident that caused them to like lose limbs so there was like a factory nearby and I think that um they ended up getting that like a scarf that my aunt had borrowed off my grandma stuck in this thing so she went to try and retrieve it and in the process like her arm got caught and then the same thing happened to my uncle and so My parents, uh, my grandparents came here to sort of help assimilate to like a British culture was probably a bit more accepting of disabilities and probably had better medical treatment for it. So that's the only reason my grandparents came here and they fully expected to go back. They just sort of wanted to get treatment for my uncle who did eventually end up passing away as a child. So I've never met him. So I think like, Obviously, she came to this country and then lost her child and was quite depressed. And then I think that something, there's something to be said about like intergenerational trauma. Like, obviously, going through that loss and then raising your other kids will affect them. And then the way that they then raise their kids will be affected by their relationship with their mother. And so I think that mental health has, like, these traumatic things happen to people. Like, you mentioned partition earlier. Like, partition stories are wild. There's like, there's so many fucked up stories that people have of being like, You know, killed and torn from their land and things like that, and coming to Britain to start that, start over whilst all that's going on. And so I think like really traumatic shit happens to migrants, but Mm -hmm. they don't prioritize mental health in a way where, like, if something like that happened now, people might be inclined to like go to therapy to work it out or something. But because mental health is just not even a consideration for those communities, you just sort of get on with it. And so I think that stays within a family and, and, and it does sort of filter through and then. I think, yeah, I think I was definitely affected by some of that. And then going to uni as well, like, when things would get hard in terms of mental health, like, people would just tell you to sort of pray it away or, like, pray or focus on your spirituality and and, and that will help. But to be honest, like, when you're, like, really depressed or you're down and you can't even get out of bed, it's hard to sort of pray or to to have faith in God when you're you sort of in that headspace, if that makes sense. So I think that's that's some of the issues within, like, Asian and Muslim identity and its relationship to mental health is like it tries to have an answer for everything but some things there aren't like some things can't be you know dealt with with prayer and some things do need to be spoken about and so I think those are the things that I personally would like to work on and change and and see reflected back within the community
1: yeah and then religion Mm -hmm. was religion a quite a strong strong thing growing up
0: yeah it was and I think I was like devoutly religious in a sort of non-questioning way until I was at uni when my grandparents passed away. And then when that sort of anchor within your family, like, and you're a migrant family as well. So like that is the start and end of your British heritage or British relation and your relationship back to Pakistan. So when they passed away, I sort of felt a little bit uprooted. And I was like the anchor or the sort of motivation to be religious kind of lifted for me then and I think that's when I became a little bit more questioning about what was and wasn't right for me and and I just I, I never sort of stopped being religious but I just sort of put a pin in it whilst I examined other parts of my identity and, and like focus on mental health and things like that so I think yeah that's the way in which I sort of went about that if that makes yeah. sense like, but it wasn't
1: something you felt like was enforced
0: I would I would say like nothing was in like, I've never been forced to like wear a headscarf or anything like that. So nothing that would impact my life in, in a, in a way that would cause resentment. But I guess like there were things that you just do and you might not necessarily know why you're doing it. So I think it's really important to actually research into your own faith as you're growing up to know why you're doing things and you're not just inheriting, inheriting behaviors for the sake of it. But like fasting would be normal. But again, like, nothing was ever like forced force but it's just sort of a standard of expectation and and if you're able to do things then i think you're like oh, okay I, then i should do it if, if i'm able to so yeah nothing nothing was ever forced on me in a way that like would impact me going out of the house and feeling as a different way about it but i do think that there were things i'd just sort of copy from around me that i've now grown to question and either reject or confirm that that is something i want to continue doing
1: yeah. When do you fast?
0: Um, so it changes year round. So the Islamic calendar will change year round. At the moment, I think it's pretty much in the summer, but it'll shift every few years and eventually end up in the winter. Like the last time it was in the winter was when I was in primary school. So that's sort of the length of time we're talking about. But yeah, it changes each year, but it's 40 days of a, a particular Islamic month of Ramadan. And- and
1: where does that like come from? Like why do you fast?
0: Um, so you sort of fast to I guess be at one with yourself and God and your own thoughts and to sort of humble yourself and to sort of experience as well what those less fortunate feel and so it's just sort of like as well like a bit of a palate cleanser and you just sort of come back into yourself and your spirituality and I think like when you are like hungry and stuff you do sort of withdraw and go within to yourself and your own thoughts and so it's quite a meditative and reflective thing to do and and that's sort of the spiritual side of it and then Sort of more charitable side is to experience, yeah, what what other people may go through.
2: I remember, like from like uni, um onwards, yeah. Like I noticed that there wasn't, I wouldn't say there was as much acceptance of like people doing Ramadan and stuff or like care, because obviously a lot of people didn't grow up around it. So like I saw, like for example, when people were doing Ramadan, like like me personally, like because obviously I grew up around. And I said like one of my best friends would eat, yeah. So like mm-hmm. I would go away to make sure we're not like doing anything like eating or anything like mm-hmm. around because like I could imagine if I was fasting. Yeah. I couldn't probably see someone eating right in front of me because yeah, I'll be I'd be starting to get hungry, right? So like I just do stuff like that to avoid it. But like at, at uni it was like more reckless as well. Like they bring food into the like the places where they're studying and stuff and because like the smell of it, like it can start triggering your like stomach as well because
0: Yeah.
2: Even though it's forty days and you get used to it near the end, I'd say a little bit, but like you can't That's
0: it. It's yeah. like when you when you have to step out of the community or the family home um it is it's obviously a test to see like if you can keep these sorts of things up. And then I guess you find out what's important to you if you're keeping it up when you're not, when it's not convenient or easy to do.
2: Yeah. Like that, that's, that's one of the things I noticed here. Yeah. And what? I was just like, I don't understand why people have to make it more complex. Just like okay. if, they, if they're doing, if they're fasting, it just maybe, like for well, maybe it's just my point of but view. But did you yeah. say like people knew they were fasting? In some cases, yeah. But like they were like, that's their choice or whatever, you know, like it was a bit more like ignorance. Whereas I, I was like, for me at least, I, obviously, maybe there's a bit of bias because obviously, the area I grew up in so I was just like yeah I wouldn't actively try to eat in front of it's like Dubai as well in Ramadan they have rules or so that you can't eat out in public or something or something like that I don't know what exactly the rules are but everyone seems to be in Dubai at the moment
0: everyone's in Dubai even my yeah. sister's in Dubai she's oh, been there for like a month
1: I thought that was a meme
0: no
1: I thought it was a meme at first then I started looking on Instagram and like everyone's
2: stories were just in Dubai yeah okay,
1: okay. Yeah.
2: I, th- I thought people were fully trolling because I, I saw that trending one day and I was just trying to figure out, I'm like, okay, well, there must be some meme that I don't get here. I'll have to ask Aaron one day <laughs> when I get a what that was about, but if that was legit, then fair enough.
0: I think everyone just decided to escape and then Emirates apparently were changing, like you could change your flight like for free. So then loads of people were just staying there because they were allowed to change their flights and stuff like that. So no meme.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if I interrupted someone there.
2: I don't know, we're just kind of like finishing up. Like I yeah. thought like it would be more understanding of like, you know, like other cultures given the current like era or like the year we're in where we learned so much. Well, not year, I guess last year. When I say year, I'm still kind of like in my head, it's still like March. Or some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> but, but like, yeah, so I'm just thinking, I just think like even in the office and so on, like why can't just people just eat elsewhere? So like it's easy on them. Because like, imagine having like your normal lunch break at, when working and then like people just eating. Like it must be so tough. But like I would work from home the entire month. I'll say fuck that.
0: So my workplace bank was actually really good for that. So they'd be like, if you just work through your lunch, then you can go home early. And that was really nice. To like, I was so grateful for like that small gesture because I'm so used to people just not being that bothered or being considerate in that way. So that was, yeah, you do appreciate the small things more then. Well,
2: One yeah. thing I also appreciated, like hanging around, and I said like, will you do Like There'll be times at the end of Ramadan, or during Ramadan, where we'd obviously meet up like later on in the eve, so obviously he could right. have eaten at home. But whilst we're waiting, they're like, some of the food is always amazing and obviously one thing I know is common between Indian and Pakistani households despite how much they obviously hate each other (coughs) like is that they always treat like the guests like get basically pampered and basically it never changes yeah like I try to avoid being in that situation like as the guests anyways but like I just remember like because the food's always so nice like we share so much food yeah and like it's always so nice so it's always nice being there during Ramadan nowadays I can't eat it because it's too spicy for me but like you know it's just too
0: spicy for you
2: oh no i can't have spice anymore
0: oh okay
2: so yeah yeah it's just like it's amazing like being around you could have spice
1: anyway i don't know what you're talking about
2: what do you mean oh no no like uni lost my tolerance and then obviously everything else happened so it was what it was but then like
0: what do you order at nando's you've mentioned nando's a lot so i want to know
2: usually mango and lime or recently there's no mango and lime
0: I don't want to continue with this podcast
2: anymore. <laughs> I, know. I, I, I did still Thanks, keep Emma trying to Steve. do the, you know, the wild herb and garlic sauces. I, I still kept trying to do those, but in recent times, they don't really always put it in your Nando's order. So oh. it's a bit tragic. So it is what it is. I still have like peri-peri chips though. Okay. You know, a little bit a little bit of pain sometimes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you mentioned a uh, uh, similarity. What's kind of the main, what's the main difference in an Indian and a Pakistani household? If even
2: there is. I would say like obviously the food you eat maybe a little bit because they I think they can eat beef if if they're yeah. Muslim then yeah, they yeah, can yeah. eat beef because it's all
0: is it Hindus or is it Sikhs that are veggies Sikhs isn't it
2: no no both can be either both can like depending on I, I don't know how it exactly works here, but for example I'm not a veggie even though I mainly eat veggie food
0: okay
2: like I'm not veggie I'm veggie on certain days for religious reasons but for example I can eat chicken and fish yeah. and lamb but I only would eat chicken nowadays anyway if I had to
0: what about
2: pork? Well, I think I think we can. I think I've actually had it as a child because I think my dad took us to a place yeah. where they were like giving it, and I just didn't like it. Like, but I've, that's also just me being fussy. But
0: so, uh, with all the complexities of India and Pakistan, yeah. we've settled on the main differences: <laughs> you eat pig, and we eat beef.
2: No, no, but the thing is, I wouldn't say like it's common to eat pork or anything like because
0: yeah, it's around. Yeah.
2: it's random. just like yeah, it's just a couple of Indians here and there may. But like I would say that the, the things they have are like the tandoori dishes are quite good between them that they share. Mm. So like usually I think Gujarati and Gujarat and Pakistan have a lot of commonness. Dis-
0: like drinking, I would say that's a big one.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, at uni I saw that change quite a lot though. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to think of that. <laughs> Not from are we naming, are we naming and shaming. No. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: Yeah, there you go. That's one rule I've never broken.
2: What else? I, will, I can't think of like many differences really. I'd say they have like prayer times in the day that I wouldn't necessarily think I yeah. have as well was aware of as a Hindu.
0: I guess dating as well. Wait, what's, what's the
2: difference? What's the difference? Yeah.
0: Like, you use are just allowed, aren't you? <laughs> are we? Are you not? I don't know.
2: I, I'm not saying that we're not allowed. I'm just not sure that there was a denial on either side. I thought they were the parents are basically the same here, yeah, so that um, if they found out. And they did, They weren't like, say, for example, they weren't Indian and Hindu and blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was just the general bullshit. Like that's the same thing. If they're not from that same culture,
0: oh no yeah, coming in the but, house. Yeah, probably. But I don't even think you're. I don't. I don't know. It's really weird with Muslims. Like they're just expected to never talk to a boy or a girl until they're like twenty five, and then they're expected to just marry. And you're like, okay, but where are the social skills that allow for a marriage when you've told each other not to talk to each other for a quarter of a century?
2: Now, honestly, yeah, my my parents during parents' years, so like my dad's obviously more about My mom, yeah, she's like, "Oh, you said hi to that girl, yeah?" Like, I'm like, well, who is she? And I'm like, up man, like it's fucking cool." Do you not talk to that um uncle or something? Do I say you're <laughs> and do I ask all these questions? Like, what, what girl was that about, Hamish? No, it's nothing. It's literally just like someone did in the past. Yeah,
0: hi to Hamish.
2: Yeah, honestly, and then like I'll, I'll be like my brothers like parents' evening or something, or like if we're walking to a, a family event or something, yeah. And then my brother just like nods his head down, and I'm like. And then she's like, I'm like, stop, man. Like, leave him, man. Let him be here. Like, he's just, it's just a classmate. Like, do you not want them to speak to people? Like, what is it? What can you do?
0: <laughs> it's so bizarre. It just is bizarre.
2: I think, I think if you
1: put a white family in my house, you, uh, you wouldn't think it was out of place, to be honest.
0: Oh, okay. Interesting. Why do you say that?
1: We just, we don't really follow a lot of the, uh, yeah.
2: Aaron's household is not very Asian. They're Asian, but they're not very Asian, if that makes sense.
0: Uh, okay. I see. Yeah. What?
2: Well, your mom likes incense sticks, incense sticks, though. So, like, that's like, <laughs> I don't know if that like means is that anything. As
0: ethnic as it gets. <laughs> That's very really, like we went we yeah. went we went to India once for summer. we oh, these incense sticks back. Is that is that how it is?
1: No, no, no. It's a bit it's a bit more Indian than that. We uh, <laughs> we like to have a, a Rice and Curry now and then. Well not <laughs> that we well actually now my and likes to. My yeah. mom likes too. My this me, and my sisters fucking were like, "No, nah, we d- don't want that."
0: Oh, after living in like out of family home for like two, like well, five years, I guess uni and then London. Like, oh, I love it, curry.
1: But yeah, cool. I don't know if there's anything much want to touch on that, or we can go on to a bit of a more light-hearted Spotify Wrapped. Yeah, let's let's
0: it. do it. Let's do it. Mine. It's been a tough year. I don't feel like this has been very reflective of me, and I don't.
1: I said this last year. I feel like Spotify Wrapped isn't. I don't know. I still question the validity
0: oh, I, I, well, of these results. I think mine are valid. I'm just ashamed of them. <laughs> okay.
2: Oh, no. I think I just want to understand how they classify certain artists on certain genres more like...
0: Yeah, because I don't listen to any... Oh, but no, that'll ruin the game. Okay.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait. actually, you know, yeah, like the four or five people, yeah, that voted that I was listening to Aaron's music here. Yeah? What the fuck? Have you... And you listen to these podcasts and you hear the shout. How can you ever think I was going to be listening to... The Beatles, like what
1: oh,
0: Aaron, <laughs> you are, white,
1: <laughs> yeah. Was, people varied from mine for yours as well. So, like, I'm not uh, I wasn't listening to M Honcho, maybe a bit, but
2: yeah, how could I was like, Aaron, listening to M Honcho, heady one? Like, what do people think of Aaron? <laughs> okay, I, I feel like we've given away this game already. Yeah, yeah, so, sorry, uh, <laughs> I, I, I it was too emotional, it was too emotional though. Right, the first slide is basically talking about new artists discovered. How many did you get, Armani?
0: 207.
2: Oh, geez. Aaron? I've got
1: 279. Oh, bro. I've got 129.
0: Oh, interesting. Stick sticks to what you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, kind of. Especially this year as
1: well. I just listen to Discover Weekly a lot, so I guess I'm just automatically
0: uh, do just you? listening to new. No, I've got that habit where like, when you get a song stuck in your head, you have to play it like 100 times until you hate it and then you never listen yeah. to it again. That's, <laughs> that's what I do.
2: I feel that when you see that you know that um later on in the slide there's a one song that you listen to so much in the year yeah that's for that one song crazy and it's Um, like
0: clearly i was going through something do you have to like expose my trauma back to me like you didn't need to go that hard yeah
2: the next slide is my top genres
0: i don't but i think this is unfair but it said pop which i at, and then hip-hop and then oh, soul rock and then dance pop whatever the fuck that is
2: was that order one to five or five to one
0: <laughs> one to five oh, okay pop being one and I'm, i don't think that's fair
2: yeah yeah i can get that I
0: demand a recount I
1: re- i'm i'm kind of the same so i got pop number one as well and i don't think that's i don't think that's fair but i think pop just counts for so much
0: yeah i think yeah.
1: like probably on spotify they classify like Probably loads of stuff as pop, so it just probably, most of the time it is. So i got pop number one, soul number two, soft rock number three, number four, neo mellow, and number five, rap. <laughs> that's such an iron thing. <laughs> I've got rap in number five, mate. What's neo yeah.
0: mellow?
1: I don't know, I, the neo confuses me. Mellow, I'm thinking like, you know, a bit of old school, like magic.
2: Okay, my top genre is uh, number one, UK hip hop, but that's, I think, because they don't actually have the categories on Spotify for the stuff I listen to. Number two is pop rap. Now, I don't know what classifies as pop rap. Probably so.
0: Stormzy, no? <laughs> I guess. Actually, what? He's, yeah. he's, what I think, it? I think he's Drake blind, classes
2: but... as pop rap. Oh, yeah, you know. Drake. Oh, okay. yeah. But I don't think I listen to that much. Stormzy Drake, could, could be pop rap as well. Yeah. Number three is pop. Number four is rap. And number five is Desi pop. So I don't know what classifies <laughs> Desi pop yeah, because I don't remember listening <laughs> for to for Desi the court. music. Yeah, for
0: the court, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's jokes. <laughs> the next one. So we'll keep the water going. So the next one is your top song.
0: Yeah, a song. Mine was, um, just for you, Sam Cooke. It's a soul artist. Okay,
1: I see. Oh, uh, Sam Cooke. Yeah. Mine mine was a song called Toto by Drax Project. Is that a cover or something? No, it's not a cover. I think I found it in my Discover Weekly, then it was one of those songs I just kept listening to, like as you said.
0: Have you got any songs where like, <laughs> you'll search for it, but there's another song with the same name that always ends up playing just because... Because it's next to it, and then it ends up in your stats. Because I've got some of those.
2: I, I make sure I'm never in that situation because I don't want to listen to other stuff. It would it would spoil my <laughs> mood if I have to listen to something else just because it had the same name. So I make sure I set it to like loop one the one song over and over. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't think I've been in. Are you thinking of like Toto uh, Africa by
2: Toto? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> I'm like I thought you they, they mentioned
1: the that like there's a lyric in that song which like mentions it.
2: My one is Honcho Fumeo by M Honcho, which. <laughs> It doesn't doesn't surprise me one bit in this. And the very next slide is actually the amount of streams you did for it. So, Amari, how many streams were for yours? 113. Oh, bro. Apparently, I only streamed this 20 times.
1: (laughs) 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 That was my top song.
2: (laughs) So, mine's first stream is January 26th. 100th stream is January 31. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure it released around that time as well. Day with most streams is February 1st. And then total streams is 476 Sorry, abs- throughout the year. Fuck!
0: You were really killing it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you really really in for mayor. There were some lyrics and they're like, yeah, I've never had a rich neighbor, but now my neighbors have a rich neighbor. Yeah, I'm like, that's the future. That's the future.
0: Oh, you felt, you felt yeah, yeah. represented. That's when
2: you go to prison and you're going to like <laughs> shout that at all your <laughs> schoolmates. The next one is my top songs, I think, unless I missed the section here.
0: Oh, this is where it all gets a bit embarrassing, really. Go on. Well, the Hamilton soundtrack pissed all over my stats.
2: Hamilton soundtrack?
0: Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it was a Ham- Hamilton's a
1: Hamilton's a theatre show. It was oh, okay. a
0: play. Broadway show, yeah, sorry. Um, okay, so just for you, Sam Cooke, as we know. Then I have two Riz Ahmed songs, because I've got to support my husband in his career. <laughs> and then I had a, a Mora Complicated, which I don't even think I listen to that much. I think it's one of those ones that comes on in a playlist
1: and then I skip it. So I don't know why it's that, but. Uh, so number one was Toto by Trax Project. Number two was When You're Ready by Shawn Mendes. <laughs> 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 uh, <No>. uh, <laughs> that's actually a great song. you yeah. know. Number three was Loco and Al Capoco by Four Tops. Tune. Number four, Somebody Else's Guy by Jocelyn Brown. Another tune.
2: And then Sexual Healing by Marvin Gaye.
1: Ah, oh, that's a good one.
2: Wait, wait! wait. Um, your top song was listened to twenty t- times. So how many times was it the second, third, fourth, and fifth? Yeah, exactly. I feel
1: like there were a lot more. They were, I feel like there were a lot more. Rough. I definitely listened to "Sexual Healing" by Marvin Gaye like a fucking ton so. <laughs> To be honest, <laughs> what like
0: your morning ritual, what you wake <laughs> yeah. yeah, get ready for the day. Shawn Mendes yeah. cannot forgive.
2: <laughs> I I feel it was very underrated. Mine's I could understand there will be a top two like Clash. Like I could the second place. So the first one was "Honcho" for me by M. Honcho. Second one was "Wait Till I Finish." By M. Honcho, which I thought could have been the first place. Third one, I don't know how to pronounce this now, actually, because they, didn't, they never mentioned the name in the song. So it's P Psalm 35. It could be Psalm 35 or something. I'm not sure by Heady One. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Fourth one is Part of the Plan, Nay Smalls and M. Honcho. And the fifth one is Growth by M. Honcho. So I basically had that entire album on loop over and over and over again throughout the entire year.
0: Consistency.
2: You should
1: tweet him, M. Honcho
2: yeah I should I should because I mean it's top. Talk- oh wait we'll get to that we'll get to that the next one I think is the podcast one
0: yeah mine are all how to fail by Elizabeth Day sorry
2: guys I, I don't listen to podcasts on Spotify so it's I actually only listened to like one for a short bit and it was um, pretty personal it was, like 318 minutes listened to eight in one day and then I never listened to another one I think that was when <laughs> I was on annual leave I was on annual leave then so I was just burning she's hard. a
1: previous guest she can't say that yeah yeah we go to listen, to her, yeah, go listen to her episodes yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> and her podcast yeah so that was mine I, wait what was yours Podcast
1: Oh, it's just third wheel because oh, okay. I don't listen to podcasts on Spotify. Hey,
2: they got the third wheel. <laughs> I don't know if I want to really say my throwback track because I don't know if this is an accurate representation. What is right now by Acorn? <laughs>
0: Oi. Oi, what were you on?
2: Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. How... <laughs> That's like not really an accurate representation, but that made it a...
0: Someone was in their fields that day.
2: <laughs> yeah, probably. All right, the next one is. For
0: for the millionth time, if you're playing a drinking game and you drink every time I say Riz Ahmed, Riz Ahmed, Sam Cooke, Hamilton, Beyonce, Joy Crooks, I've pulled it back with a cool <laughs> one. I would like to hope
1: mine was J P Cooper,
2: number Who one. The
0: fuck
1: is J P?
2: <laughs> you don't know J P Cooper? No, no, actually, J P Cooper is lit, yeah, I can, I can say yeah, is really cool.
1: You should okay. listen. You'd, you'd like him if you like, uh, yeah. like you, soul, you'd have heard his song September He's song. Soul like soul that soul. was his most
2: common. Okay, song. On
1: it. Number two, Sean Mendez. Um <laughs> number number three, Hosier. Number four, the Beatles, number five,
2: and Elton John. Can I say people voted for me to have listened to Elton John, John and the Beatles? John.
0: I'd never put you with
1: Elton John. Elton John. What a guy, man. Some absolute bad. Uh, He's a
0: very strange man. <laughs>
1: Like okay, a, yeah, a bit strange, but he's he's got some tunes.
0: He does have some tunes, but he's just a weird little frog frog man. He reminds <laughs> me of a frog.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, okay. I can see that with Elsa.
2: some sunglasses on.
0: Yeah, sparkly titties.
2: And mine's is M Honcho, Heady One, Naysmalls, Skepta, and Drake. Consistent. Yeah, pretty much.
0: Yeah, I feel like mine's really so. chaotic. But you like you know yourself, whereas I'm like five different people.
2: The thing is, yeah, I have listened to other stuff, but this year I feel like it's very easy to stay in the same loop because we're not going out. We're in the same
0: Ground environment,
2: home. staying in that yeah, same r- loop right now. Whereas if last year, for example, we would have been like going out, we would have been heading to people's houses to record. Exactly, yeah, we
0: would yeah. have been
2: having meals out. It was all sorts of different. So I feel like, for yeah.
0: But that makes me feel worse if this is my authentic self.
2: <laughs> oh, Lord.
0: Yeah, I'm probably going to find listening back to this very triggering because I'm a very nasal person, I think. And I just don't need to be a nasal person. person. Yeah, like you talk through your nose.
2: Nice. Oh. How do you talk through your nose? It sounds. It kind of sounds like, like it. you've
0: got a blocked nose, basically. Oh, okay. I like that all the time.
1: Yeah, my dad used to say my sisters used to sing like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Savage.
1: But um, yeah, awesome. I think uh, this is, uh, is some it? interesting statistics. Big up Sean Mendes. <laughs> but, I but, um, do not
0: endorse your big, bigging up of Sean Mendes no no. there's
1: only like there's like a few socks I like but okay, we'll, we'll, we'll move on we'll move on <laughs> yeah we, let's let's round it all up now so we've got some final questions yes we end each episode with some final questions a call out and a shout out so if you start with the final questions first mm-hmm. one is what would the name if you're writing like your own book your own yeah. autobiography mm-hmm. what would you title it
0: um, I'm gonna have to say Woke, Broke and Quick with a Joke, the Armani Sayed story. And I have thought about that a lot. So I yeah, that,
1: that sounds that's it.
0: It. I already knew my answer to that, so that's why I picked it. I was like, I joke with my friends about that all the time, so there you go. That's
2: good. That's Woke, good. Broke yeah. and Quick
0: with a Joke.
2: <laughs> the next one is, if you were making a documentary, what would it be about?
0: Oh, this is less funny. <laughs> so I, I, oh, I don't know if I should be giving my best ideas out. <laughs> actually well was, I, we're gonna sick
2: patent sick. it to be careful <laughs>
0: <laughs> not to you guys i trust you guys but you might have a road <laughs> um, no I, i'm interested in the concept of like um like relationships that never quite happened. And so I'd be quite interested to do one on like the one that got away. So you'd speak to people who like, let's say they grew up in a community where they couldn't be gay or they had an arranged marriage, but they actually liked somebody else, like those sorts of things. So I'd be quite interested to know, like to interview like old people, young people, whatever it is about like the one that got away. So yeah, look out. That's definitely
1: the kind kind of thing I'd probably watch on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Like
0: a humans of New York type situation where you just talk to random people. I love
1: life third and final question this is a question we ask each guest this is hard and that is what has been your most memorable third wheeling experience
0: I feel like I must have really good ones that I don't remember but I guess the one that I do is like we were like obviously I, I if I haven't said it enough like quite working class background so I always share like a room with siblings and so for some reason when I was in year five I was sharing a room with my eldest sister who was like about like 26 at the time and she would be like Getting to know like guys and like dating on the phone and st- like having phone chats, and I'd be like in the bed next to her, just like sat there, like, <laughs> cool, like having no idea what it, any of it meant or what was going on, but I'd just be like sat there next to her, and like, if I had that now, I'd be like very fucking uncomfortable, but apparently was calm <laughs> with it. So, yeah,
1: so weird to like imagine.
0: Yeah, like getting getting to know the guy that's now your husband sat next to your fucking 10-year-old annoying sister is just not a vibe, (laughs) really, is it? There you go. That's the one I remember, but I'm sure they have got loads.
2: That's mad. The the next extra is like a nomination, so you can nominate one or many people to hopefully be a guest on the third wheel in the future, provided they want to obviously come on. Oh,
0: I know I really should have thought about this ahead of time, so I didn't just sit here with a blank.
2: This
1: this is why we do the plan.
0: Yeah. I think you guys should get Jack Prev on, Jack Previsa. I think he's, he's very funny. So you'd have a good time with Jack Previsa and you actually know him through the bore as well.
1: Awesome, we'll get in touch. And last thing's a shout out. So basically anything you want to just like plug or promote. Yeah. Now, Now's, now's the time.
0: I want to plug and promote Tape Letters, which is the project I do some press and comms for because there's some really cute stories on there and it's just a really beautiful project and I'm happy to be working on it. And yeah, I suppose Misa as well, I suppose. I think everyone should look out for the shoot we're doing with Ryan Lange. We're shooting it next Wednesday and it'll probably be out within December. So those are my two shout outs.
2: Awesome. Hamish? Yeah, so this one actually, I don't understand how the release of this uh, mixtape um, lined up with this episode where we spoke about what we spoke about because it's called Product of My Environment by Abracadabra and it has a few proper bangers on it so go listen to it It'll be, I'll add the ones that people may like to the shout outs playlist I have so yeah also go check out my Spotify and yeah I'm I going to Sean
1: shout Mendes. out <laughs> he's, a,
2: he's an automatic automatic shout out I think I've got his vinyl he's going to be like there's nothing holding me back from shouting him out if he got the reference it sounds like you're a big Sean Mendes fan
1: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway i'm gonna I'm going shout out a good friend of ours yasha spot by he'll have a book when it, by the time this releases he'll have a book out that's sick title to be confirmed currently like in the moment kind of like designing his cover and he's getting like some final edits done but yeah by the time this episode comes out his book should be out so yeah link for that in, will be in the description so go buy it what's
0: the so, gist of the book what's he writing about
1: at the moment i don't know if i can like
2: Say, oh
0: yeah true but, like, I was
2: going to ask yeah. you today morning like if we, when it was coming out so we could shout out appropriately yeah Aaron designed designed the cover and you forgot did
1: you well like I'm designing it at the moment oh, but I haven't haven't like finished it unless you think it looks bad then I didn't do it and someone else did it <laughs> 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 but yeah yeah link for that will be in the description hopefully and so I think I believe all the money for that's going to charity as well so amazing yeah, go it. yeah awesome thanks Armani for coming on
0: no thanks for having me and forcing me out of bed before ten o'clock, still
2: better about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah <apologies. laughs> it was an amazing catch-up though. So was... yeah,
0: it was. I, it's been like two hours, right? Yeah, well, yeah, two and a half. Wow.
2: So
1: yeah, hope everyone else enjoyed it, and we will just speak to you next week. Great. All right, see everyone. All right,
2: man. Have a good day. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye.